2: Hello and welcome to the podcast, the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Countryfile magazine. My name's Fergus Collins, I'm the host of the podcast, and welcome indeed to series 12, my goodness, where we are exploring the wild. The wilds of Britain, taking advantage of spring and early summer to bring you audibly beautiful landscapes and the birds and other wildlife that inhabit them. And I'm currently sitting in an abandoned quarry where just before I started recording I was being scolded by wheat ears and I've seen all sorts of wonders today. And it's a perfect time of the year to get out and see and hear the magic of wild nature. So this first episode, first of twelve, is set in a remote, rather hidden valley near where I used to live and it is somewhere not many people go but I wanted to have a little explore I haven't been there for a while so I wanted to have a little explore to see if anything, if anything had changed and to see, what, to see what was there what birds, what mammals, what butterflies anything that had stirred with the warmth of early spring so have a listen it's a gentle solo walk around a quiet hidden corner of the Brecon Beacons I hope you enjoy it and join me afterwards to chat with my fellow podcast creators Hannah and Jack but for now let's head to the Hidden Valley I'm walking on heavily frosted ground here it's a grassy meadow high up in the Brecon Beacons but the sky is completely brilliant blue and it's a beautiful morning, about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm watching a chaffinch, male chaffinch at a roadside oak, just walking along beside a little lane actually. I don't think I'm strictly on a footpath but it's absolutely stunning spring day. There it goes. And there are some. Uh, there's a robin here. There's also some linnets. Sort of boing boing boing. Sort of doing doing doing. Well, that's it. But I'm out just to explore. A really favourite part of this countryside where I live. I haven't been here for a couple of years. It's a little valley, hidden valley, behind the Blorange Mountain, which, if you ever visit Abergavenny, it's one of the three peaks that surround this. And I can see one of the other peaks down below me, Skiddedvour, which is a beautiful, isolated mountain which has a sort of double peak or a peak like a cleft, and then a, another little peak on one side of it. But the scene is beautiful. The trees aren't in leaf yet around here. These oaks and beeches up on the hill and ashes, but the sun is rising across Monmouthshire over to the east. This lovely crog. Anyway, there's a sort of mist, gentle mist rising off the out of the Usk Valley and it's the sun is glowing on power lines and they look particularly beautiful like cobwebs with the light on them in this early morning as i carefully step over some molehills it sort of seems to be the season for molehills this is quite a moley meadow there's hundreds of molehills here it's probably the work of only one or two moles so I've been told. I don't know a lot about the world of moles. Gosh, it's cold though. (laughs) My hands are already freezing on the microphone, but but there are sheep with lambs ahead. Very tiny lambs, so these would be born in the last week. You might be able to hear them in a minute. There we go. Right on cue. Thank you, Lammy. And we're just coming, I'm just walking towards I'm on the shoulder of the Blorange, really, the the mountain. It's clad in its chocolate brown overcoat of bread, dead bracken. I'm walking on, you can hear the crunch I'm walking on. A beach mast beneath a, lo- a series of lovely beech trees. But it's a, this is a really marvellous little path, follows a green lane. The green lane seems to be full of boulders and tangles of bramble and bracken whereas there's a sort of footpath that weaves in and out of it and uh, just surrounded by stones and gorse. The stones have some of the best lichens I've ever found. Greek crusts of world maps and Topography of the lichen. There are all sorts of strange mounds here, which I think are natural, but there are man-made stone walls that are a bit tumbled and fallen down. Dry stone walls. And with my back to uh Skiridvauer, the great Skirid wren singing here. I'm facing so from the Blorange, there's a spine of hills, part of the Brecon Beacons, but not much walked the run all the way down to Newport. Just looking at a bird here. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely song thrush. Just They sort of bounce along when they're on the ground. No doubt we'll hear one singing. There's a robin here, though. And I'm just, so I'm walking under some glorious oaks, just in bud. Interesting part of the year. Anyway, um, I was talking about the spine of hills that runs south. It runs south all the way to Newport, a big town, big city at the bottom of the, the bottom of the Brecon Beacons, really. So much bird life fluttering around. I think it's that time of day where the dawn chorus is over, so they're out foraging. And there is linnet's, little group of linnet's. I expect they'll be nesting very, very soon if they're not already. It's appreciably cooler and more wintry up here than down in the valley. But yes, I keep being distracted. This spine of hills. And the first one here is called Maneth Garden Vauar, which means mountain of the of the Great Cairns. And on top there's some really impressive burial mounds, but they're not like the burial mounds of Wiltshire, which are these smooth domed sort of chalk, like an upturned bowl. The barrows. These are great heaps of massive stones. I think they date from the Bronze Age. I've been up there and had a good look around, and they're pretty exciting places, pretty wild hilltops where these Bronze Age people would have revered their dead in these great tombs. And uh, I believe they have been excavated, but they're very evocative. And I'm not going to be able to get up there today because I'm going to head down into the valley, which is beginning to open up to to the south of me. There's just so much bird life. So, on the gorse ahead, there are little shiny, the light is picking up the sunlight, the low sunlight is picking up, they're making them shine, which they don't normally use, the linnets, little linnets. So, uh, which is lovely. Lovely, man. this lichen on the stones. It's all different colours, particularly sort of pale, pastely greens into a little woodland, a little stand of conifers. I don't know why they're here. Definitely not native. Actually, is a very good spot for adders here, I would have thought. South-facing slope, lots of gorse. These conifers as a yellowhammer. Yeah, you can hear yellow singing here as well. yellow hammer singing in the tree beside me there's a wren perched on top of the dry stone wall and the yellow hammer goes over my head just wonderful there's so much going on it lives up to expectations every time as as I walk past a little puddle in fact I'm going to reveal what that's the ice on the puddle Siskins now in the conifers, so within literally 50, 60 yards, I've had 10, 15 bird species here, and all the small finches and there they go, all sort of asking. Oh, oh, oh. now I do. There is a treat cut. That willow warbler. Listen. yeah sort of descent cascade I've captured them many times on the podcast but that's the first of the year for me he's just in these stands of conifers so he's a conifer warbler today I've got to open up a gate here it's such a special spot this little it's not a nature reserve it just has Edgy blends of habitat. And uh, I mean, just there it goes, right on the edge. Typical willow warbler. Typical willow warbler, sorry about the gate. Just hanging out on the edge. He's an edgy warbler, not a warbler And then a brilliant meadow here. It's like a I'm walking on this green lane and it makes a. It's heading towards the lane, so it creates this sort of V of meadow between it and the lane and it is totally full of ants' nests which look like little rounded hills so you could be in if you were tiny it would be like being on the downs these classic rounded hills rolling off into the distance but in miniature and I love the downlands and I hope to get to the downlands for this series but just I've got to say, I've got to share this, I've had a very difficult few weeks so I've not been able to get out and do solo podcasts like this and actually as I stand in the sun on a spring day with these birds around me and the light and the views that I can see, so I can see down this hidden valley which is a glorious sort of, quite broad but well hidden because there's a shoulder of hills that cuts it off from the rest of the of Monmouthshire. uplifting. Uh, it's very uplifting. I feel like a great weight lifted off me. Uh, And I think that's often the case with being able to get out. It doesn't... I think as I discussed with Kevin Parr in a previous podcast, getting out into nature doesn't solve all the kind of stresses of your life. It definitely helps you cope better with the things that... the challenges that arise. But, uh, so, yeah... So, this is a blend of resident birds and incomers. I've had the willow warbler. I have no doubt I'll hear chiff when I chiff chaffs, might go, go into the valley. I don't know what's down in the valley. There are all sorts of. It's a really interesting place and it's never on any walking maps. It's a combination of. There's a few lovely houses secreted away. It's a combination of woods, little streams, meadows, small meadows, lots of rickety, small holding type properties, which I would die for now, in the sun, it's actually quite warm as my hands were getting incredibly cold, but I'm walking towards the sun, which is blinding also I can see the views to the south and to east across. Basically, the kingdom of Gwent, Monmouthshire, and uh, sort of lowlands near Newport, and then the, the hills of the edge of the Wye Valley, which are actually quite steep, I get a bit overlooked. And I can see southeast from here the great ancient forest of Wentwood, which I hope to visit on this series. I don't want to spend too much of the series in Wales. Tempting though it is, and beautiful, and probably deserves its own Welsh landscape podcast, but. I'm about to descend into the valley. Now I can see the scattered houses down there. Some are very secretive, and some are stuck down in the dark depths. So I suspect sunshine isn't uh, sunshine's a real rarity down there. Got to go through a awkward gate. Very awkward gate. Shuts easy enough though. Operator error, I think. So, see the frost is now one side of it, only in the shadows. And I'm walking down, what, what, probably on top of a, a big stone wall, which, I mean, it's a metre and a half wide, four foot wide. The footpath runs along the top of it, clearly human-made. Heading down into a U-shaped valley, which is not very long, probably a mile long I'd say. And I might not do the whole valley just because I'm going to weave my way through it. But now I've come to a really gloriously stout and handsome and largely maintained dry stone wall walking along the east, southeast flank of it. Across black bracken covered slopes still, but descending now. Little wrens in the bracken and there are these little rocky outcrops everywhere, uh, which seem to provide habitat for these birds and probably some other creatures. I suspect there are reptiles here. It is so frosty. But uh, the path descends quite steeply. And the sun on my left cheek. A squeak of linnets going overhead. Ray linnet. Well, this area here, distant blackbirds, just providing a little sort of soft chorus. It's so beautiful. But this area is full of redstarts in about two, three weeks' time, which are just wonderful migrants from Africa, of course. And they, they fill every little niche around here. Really, quite locally, very, very common. Not common nationally, but just in pockets like this, an untamed little valley. Now the valley is quite untamed. It's one of its great attractions. Now I'm in a grove now. Just the bracken's beginning to give way to a grove of oaks. It's relatively small oaks. Even a couple of saplings, which is good to see because. Last time I was here there weren't many saplings but it looks like a couple have broken through the bracken. And uh, There's a nut hatch. Tells itself lots of funny little stories and jokes. And rushes now fill the path. So we're really heading down. I'm really heading down into oak woodland where there's a whole maze of streams and And that is a... That's a wood pigeon. I thought it was a stock dove for a minute. You can hear a wood pigeon in the distance, but a wood pigeon flew over me as well. Now ahead of me there are some very... uh, steep crags. And definitely peregrine's nest up there. I've seen them. Not the nest, but I've seen them hanging around there and flying in that direction. And it's the perfect spot. Inaccessible. And... uh, They've got the whole valley and beyond to survey and to, to, for rich pickings, peregrines being bird hunters. There's lots and lots of so it's just, just, it's lovely. I'm now in this sun at my back now and the, the light, my long shadow, dappled sunlight on the oak woodland where mossy Green mossy stones and boulders tumble down, almost a bit like a sort of mountain stream, but massive. And it's uh, quite a lot of the ground is you know, they stop the, the boulders, so sort of break up the bracken, creating this great sort of cascade. I'm looking at a little ruin of what must have been as a wren here, green mossy square once was a little square, probably Shepherd's Hut or with a massive beech tree behind it a ma- absolutely massive like an upturned giant squid and it's green with moss a tree creeper, is that tree creeper? it's not a tree creeper it is a definitely not a tree creeper Uh, just a, just a little dunnock <laughs> but yes, it's a little habitation, but ruined. So whether, whether that was a little, it's not too small for a sheepfold. So I think maybe just a little kind of haven. In the distance, I can hear water of a tumbling stream. This is lovely. So the, the path heads up towards the hill, Monadh towards the foot of the hill and uh, the mountain. Chiff Chaff in the background be lots in the valley um, lots of hazel here as we get closer to the water and a bit lower down all coppiced but old coppice I think they call it overstood coppice or something like that where once upon a time it was harvested clearly uh, crunch crunch I'm in deep leaf mould here that's a lovely path just flows naturally around Lots of hazel, but it's all grown out. So the hillside suddenly rises up, and out of it comes this gushing, gushing streamlet and Nant. This is a very special corner, although a little bit windy, but out of the mossy boulder-clad hillside water is pouring and through a little stretch of alders and oaks and uh, there's beech trees here as well it's going to get a bit boggy down here as I remember you can hear the song of of the mountain of the great cairns These are, the, these are its tears. The tears, of the, the tears of the mountain. Perhaps weeping for the dead that are buried on top of it. Anyway, through a gate, a modern gate with a bit of bailer twine holding it together. off into a very different part of the world. This is a bluebell wood in a not very long time to go, but for now just still all a bit dormant. Few people come here and it is walked, but not not uh, It's just beautiful. I really, I mean, it's like looking down the stream and it's, the sun is glancing off these mossy trees, there's hollies here, there's a plane overhead reminding me that it's not all wild and wonderful. There's wrens everywhere, Chiff chaffs. but I can see the bluebells in the grass Really nice track. I think this one is used by farmers because there's sort of two-wheel grooves from a uh, quad bike. Someone has been planting trees up here. Not many. This is all going to be bluebells. I can just see all the bright green foliage. A black cap here. Another migrant. Let's see if... I've got to take a breath. Just in the shadow, but looking up onto a sunny hill of the woodpecker. There's a great tit up here. Now I thought they'd almost stop singing, but they were singing quite strongly. And there's there's a black cap as well, somewhere here. And that gorgeous, lazy warble is the blackbird. Thank goodness, it's common. There's a chiff chaff. Yeah, so just following this lovely path on the side of the hill through what will be bracken, but at the moment isn't. It's much more open. Just hit it. Little drill in the background of a of a woodpecker, great spotted. Yeah, just see what else can come across here. It's almost like a sort of squeaky door opening. Sometimes, it... yeah, there's a, also a missile thrush now. There's a lot. I don't know if it's all coming through. There's so much, so many different species. And now I just step out of the shadow into the sun. The stock dove, great tits. Don't know if that's coming through, but that is a stock dove. And that sad song in the background. So listen to me, listen to me. Missile thrush. Wow, I'm getting that stock dove. Oh, I'm not quite sure where it is, though. I know where the Stock Club is. I don't want to get too close, but by a huge hawthorn it is the most lichen covered tree I've ever seen OK, I'm climbing this grassy, crunchy hill still frosty here and there it goes oh, that's a pity and two of them they were a long way a long way away oh. a pair of stock doves which, um But just have a listen to this. Wonderful. And just to the side here, some white bell-like flowers, which actually are going to be wooden enemies when they wake up. The wooden enemies, just a little patch of them because it's cold, they've just bowed their heads. You anyway, know, the path goes on, there's a small holding just above me which has the appealing, uh, slightly rugged look. Very, what a spot! Very bleak in winter. I know this place. I've entered a meadow of. Just the most outstanding and high-standing ant hills. Incredible. Let's have to take a photo. And I'm on the footpath again. So yeah, these really are the most impressive ant hills I've ever seen in Britain. What is a slight sadness is that a lot of the lowland pastures here have been turned over to forestry of some description. Uh, there's like quite a few acres down there, all planted in serried ranks like Christmas trees. Uh, that's really looks really ugly. Very unnatural. And yeah, those were quite good lowland, wetland meadows. Yeah, not too long ago. I guess someone's trying to make a living from them and that's the way of the world, but. Seems a slightly inappropriate crop. I mean, there's thousands of trees there. Um, so I've re- reached the lane. This is one of the great lanes of Wales, rutted, pitted with grass down the middle, and a gorgeous stone wall beside it, dry stone wall. Just descending the lane a little bit here. It's a lovely old. Winding lane between dry stone walls, hazel coppice, huge oak trees, huge beech trees, and to one side it opens up into the valley, and then on the other side it sort of rises quite steeply to the Manad Gandavar. Uh, there's just bird life everywhere. There's a lot of blackbirds singing, a lot of tits flitting through the trees. And this great spot of woodpecker ahead. Big boulders. It just feels, oh, I love the rawness of it all. Yeah. Uh, like distant gunfire. The sunlight really halos these oak trees. That this uh, is on the left side of the track, the tree planting, but on the right side, completely wild woodland. As <coughs> the lane gently wanders down, covered in catkins from the hazels, which have lost their catkins now another amazing sort of development is there. You don't hear, what happens to catkins? So we have them in you know, the depths of January February, glowing in the low light of a rare sunny day and then what happens to them? Well they all turn brown and look like millions of dead earthworms on the on the lanes of our rural deeply rural spots the spring has probably sprung out onto the lane and created a sort of in the sun, which I'm walking towards this. <laughs> <I don't know. sighs> yeah. morning. Morning, dog. Brown, sort of Labrador cross type thing. Very cross. <laughs> uh, well. I couldn't live with that, personally, but there we are. I'm very fortunate to have a dog who politely barks when he wants to go out. Just one, one little woof. And then we'll woof again when he wants to come back in. And that's about it. And then he'll, he'll occasionally talk to the neighbouring dogs. There's a song thrush here. And a path back. So I'm going to get a bit closer look at these conifers. Yeah, here's the footpath back into uh, towards my car actually, which is quite a good route. And there's the Yaffle. Green woodpecker. And a great spotted woodpecker together. Please will there be a lesser spot? This is great territory for a lesser spotted woodpecker they haven't been seen here for a very long time. Hard to know why really, because it's perfect. Loads of dead wood. Anyway, the other two are here for sure. It depends on what type of wood the great spot is hammering on. So stiff and noisy. That is one of the worst noises in the countryside. Listen to that, it's sort of such a shriek. This is where the footpath has been fenced, which is sort of nice. Uh, you can kind of see, oh, we don't want you in, mar- in our fields. <laughs> uh, so they've spent a lot of money fencing in the footpath. I can't see the point myself. I can't see the uh, woodpecker, green woodpecker. But it's difficult in this sort of blend of dappled light, sudden sunlight, like the other side of this little woodland. Coming towards a farm. It's a really special spot, this. I wonder if they know how lucky they are. Beautiful small holding farm, whatever. But it's a real treasure, this place. It seems to have everything, water, meadows, woodland, ponds. Yeah, exceptional. A beautifully unkempt woodland with sheep meadows to one side. and the really clear fluting notes of a blackcap. Blackcap, okay. Now we come to a garden, formal garden, lots of daffodils and flower, glowing in the sunshine. I think that's at their best. Now along this path are the green spikes of dog's mercury. It took me ages to identify when I first arrived in this part of the world. I think they get serenaded by chif-chafs but dog's mercury, celandines, um, some dock here. But dog's mercury has these tiny, rather uninspiring white flowers, but it is kind of incorrigible. It just thrives in the dark along edgero- hedgerows and edges of woodlands. Gosh, this is a lovely farm. There is cuckoo-pint. Glossy, glossy leaves of cuckoo-pint. There's, uh, there's lots of primroses here. And one of my favourites is golden saxifrage, which is just a small golden flower, sort little of greeny golden flower, but found along these sort of watery watercourses not a massive patch here but enough. It's so uplifting so there's a nest box here that's got a huge hole in the front that's clearly been hammered open by a great spotted woodpecker and they'll do that and they'll eat nestlings, great spotted woodpeckers but I know there is someone who works in this valley putting up nest boxes that are properly you know, reinforced with metal so that the great spotted woodpeckers can't plunder them And it does not for a variety of species, but mainly for the pied flycatcher, which is probably two to three weeks away from arriving. Two weeks max. And uh, that's a great, a wonderful little woodland bird. And it's absolutely thick on the ground in this valley because of the bird boxes. There's a sign here on a gate that says warning owing to sheep worrying any dog not on a lead will be shot and the word shot is in bright tall capital red letters uh, so that is opens up a whole can of worms really there's absolutely no excuse for dog dogs being off leads at this time or well, any time of year whether it's livestock, wildlife, it just... it boils my blood, it really does. I get quite cross, I've told people off for allowing their dogs to, to, to run free in nature reserves. And I've often, uh, I say often, several occasions I've found and caught stray dogs and uh, on one occasion I found this relatively little terrier thing on a chasing sheep and I just sort of climbed up onto a, a ewe and, I, and he was yapping away but uh, one tip I have if you're wearing a belt it makes a very good makeshift dog lead you can slip it through the dog's collar and then back through the belt buckle And you've got something at least to hold on to the dog. Anyway, the owner is striding over the hill, looking in some distress. The goldfinch is here, and I—I was sort of—I was really cross. Oh, he's never, never normally a bad boy. Never normally runs off and does that. So, well, you have to keep him on the lead. He just—and she was very red-faced, but sort of also didn't like being told off. You know, no one likes being told off but so I understand the farmers getting totally cross and I know that hundreds and hundreds of sheep get killed and particularly lambs get killed this time of year. And some owners the farmer can't be out there the whole time and I know this happens. The owners will just quietly gather up their dog and uh, leave the dead sheep behind and hope no one saw despicable behaviour. So yeah, I think just calm so much ill feeling in the countryside with better and the onus really has to be on uh dogs and uh, dog owners looking after the dogs. we here. It's a very linnety countryside. Gorse and bracken birch. I think you might hear a yellow hammer. I think that's yellow
1: hammer.
2: Yeah. That chew, chew, yellow hammers. Yeah, there's yellow here. Good. It's always been good for yellowhammers. Ah, but I miss it there, yellow hammer. No birds of prey today. A bit early perhaps. There are peregrines, sparrowhawks, goshawks, red kites, kestrels, even. Uh, I say that. Most <laughs> raggedy-looking sheep here, which is half-molted. In good health, but just raggedy. Need a good shear. Gonna get a haircut, mate. <laughs> a cross group of. The goldfinches making a kind of rattling, tinkling song thrush up ahead. There's a lovely restored farm cottage up here on a bend in the lane. (laughs) Bush. <laughs> hello, Hello chaps. Girls. Boys and girls. Three of them. They seem to be really cross with each other. There's a force. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. That's it. <laughs> you won't let it lie. That's the sound of angry goldfinches. Let's get a bit close to that song thrush. There's most beautifully restored cottage here. It's remote. And the dunnock. Very remote. song thrush play us out actually there's a nut hatch there as well wow just in an oak tree And with the gentle lullaby of a song thrush, I wandered back to my car and that was a lovely little insight into spring up here in the Brecon Beacons. And that was recorded right at the end of, well, right at the beginning of April, actually. So as you heard in that recording, there were some, some of the migrants had arrived, some hadn't. So we had a few chiffchaffs chaffs and black caps, but no cuckoos, no red starts. And now just two weeks later, I'm in the studio with My lovely friends, Jack and Hannah. Hello, chaps. And the red starts are here. The pied flycatchers are here. All sorts of wonderful arrivals. So I'm going to have to go out again. Well, that was a little taste of a valley that I know really well. But as I said in the the recording, just not many people visit. And I kind of just want to reiterate that point about if you get out, if you have a look on a map, you don't have to go to a nature reserve. You don't have to go to somewhere where it's sort of Hotspot, you can just find that on your doorstep, but be prepared to walk for a little way or go off the beaten path. So, here here we are in the virtual studio. Have you guys been out enjoying spring? Have you managed to find your own little corner of paradise like I did?
0: Yes, I went uh, back to Wales um, for the Easter Bank holiday and got quite sunburned and saw loads of butterflies and just had a marvellous, marvellous time.
2: Enjoying any any particular, any butterfly species? Uh, brimstone
0: that, you... butterflies, which I very rarely see. Lovely. I think painted ladies, speckled woods. I've also seen some blue tits building a nest in our old nesting box, which is very exciting. Or at least what they were doing was chucking out bits of the old nest. So they're doing That's a bit a of a sign. spring clean before building themselves somewhere lovely to live.
2: Yeah, the blue tits and great tits nest really early. And then the first sort of flush of caterpillars—they're ready for them. So it's like it All moves so fast. You hear them singing their kind of courtship songs, and then all of a sudden they go quiet and they're nesting. But uh, yeah, cool. I haven't seen any. Well, I've seen lots of nesting activity. I think there's some wood pigeons nesting in the in the tree out at the front, making very odd noises. But apart from that, the garden is um, just—they're all—they're all just looking. They're all renting. I don't know whether they're settling down,
0: the birds. I also saw a kite, I forgot. Yeah, um, beautiful, wonderful kite. I probably see one a year on Gower. So that was my kite of the year. Kite of the
2: year? Jack, how about you? Any kites? Any
1: nesting birds? How's your rabbit? Oh, all right. The, ra- the rabbit. Well, happy Easter. He's still around. Hooray. Oh, he's been pretty much daily still, popping in. And a little nibble and then hopping off again. And I think he knows we live there because the <laughs> the other day we were walking back uh, home and we walked past and he was there in the garden. And normally, as soon as he sees anyone, he's off. He, he's not sticking around. But he just sort of stopped, looked at us, watched us, watched us walk down the path into the house, oh. didn't move. He just kind of chilled there a bit. So I think he knows we're, we're friends. He's getting used <laughs> to you. You're not a threat. no. And I think it probably did help that we did leave him out a little carrot for Easter. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> so this series is all about, as I said in the introduction, audibly beautiful landscapes. And we're so
2: lucky at this time of year to be able to walk out into the countryside, particularly early in the morning. But most times a day, you'll get a complete symphony of different birds. And I'm particularly proud of the very last soundscape that we, we published last week, soundscape 61, which is which I recorded Uh, up in an oak wood on Sugarloaf, the mountain above me here in Abergavenny. And it's a woodland that's actually, I always tend to visit in the autumn, so not very very lively then, quite quiet and quite stark. But wow, it was so mind-blowing. And when I listened back, there must have been 12 or about 12 different species singing at once. And that was probably 11 o'clock in the morning. Just incredible. And I found it really exciting to sort of, sit there and just relax. And that's the word relax. That's what we hope you'll do when you listen to these, not just the sound escapes, but our little adventures in the wild. So lots more to come.
1: You had mentioned about um places of niceness to go mm. to. Uh, on the weekend, I did go somewhere. I hadn't been before, but is a place where it was lovely. It was really quiet and nice. Where, where, where did you go? I went to Coley Peak, I think is how you pronounce it in Dursley. Oh right, okay. In the Cotswolds, it's yeah. a big view. There's a big viewpoint there, and uh, I think I could see you, Fergus, because uh, it's got <laughs> views of uh, Sugarloaf and Blor- the Blorange. So I did wave. Oh okay, wave yeah, back, yeah, yeah. But... I, I saw. I didn't know. I no, I did. I saw you. I I just decided not to wave back. Oh okay, I get it. It's <laughs> too busy recording the bird song. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a lovely, massive view there. I've never been there before. It was only we were driving past and thought, you know what? We pop in, absolutely beautiful, massive view. There were two. Now, i'm if I was to guess with my limited bird knowledge, I would maybe think they might be a buzzard. Mm. But it was the warm day, and there's definitely two or three sort of birds quite high up. I can't remember the word when they sort of float using the hot air, soaring, soaring on the thermals. Yeah, soaring. that's the yeah. one.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh, that's a dreamy
1: thing to watch.
2: Oh, that's stunning jack is revealing this incredible view across the veil it's that's across the seven Vale, all the way to the black mountains and yeah you, you can see me that's <laughs> incredible um, you m- mentioning birds of prey has i, I can't believe i meant i went for a walk up on uh which is um a hill which is featured in one of our podcasts last year where i went searching for a, the witch's pool but this time I went through the old quarry that lies below it. And I came across two peregrines, which were zooming around really noisily. I wasn't recording at the time. If if I had been, you'd have this wonderful searing series of calls. And I thought initially they were annoyed at me. But then behind the calls was this croak of a raven. So I, I slunk down onto the grass like a proper naturalist. have got my binoculars out and skulked behind a stone. And I watched for a bit and they were dive bombing a raven on the, on the edge of the cliffs. And I wondered what, I he raided their nest or something. But it, uh, then he came out, they sort of gave up and he came out with a bird in his beak, dead ah. bird, which I think they must've killed and that he stole from them. This is me surmising. I'm like, I'm being like the Columbo of the bird <laughs> world, but, uh, and he went off really pleased with himself, this big raven. And the, the falcons were scything around, were clearly upset, but there's nothing they could do about it because he was sort of three times their size. But uh, there's plenty of other prey. I'm sure they're they're definitely nest- nesting somewhere in that area. But that was very exciting. And then I went up onto the moor, and I thought to myself, I bet there are merlins up here. And then something squeaked and came up out of the out of the sort of rocky a little rocky outcrop, and it was a merlin, which is like half the size of a peregrine, but pretty similar. And it shot over the shot over the moor, really brilliant, so exciting.
0: That's, those are incredible um, spots. Really excellent sightings.
2: They, I was really really pleased. Yeah, I mean, it was a wild jealous. place, and it was well. Come up, you are yes, welcome any time to come and. It's one of the most spectacular places, and this time of year, is alive with all sorts of creatures. There was, I mean, you know, it was. I'm always short of time there even if I spend the whole day there I feel cheated that I have to go home because there's just so much to see in every everywhere you look there's dramatic crags caves deep into the hillside wonderful woodlands gushing streams and then the oh, the only sad thing which you might have seen on Twitter people might have seen on the news was the top was completely burnt the top of the moor a um, huge area had burnt and I remember seeing Yolo Williams the um Welsh naturalist and TV presenter had tweeted about a fire on top of the moors there or on the moors there and it was, it was devastating whole it must be hundreds and hundreds of acres just burnt to a crisp so normally you'd hear loads of skylarks up there but they were reduced to a few patches in the gullies that hadn't got burnt so that was really sad but hopefully it'll bounce back
0: it's just been so dry this year
2: yeah, and people do set, make deliberate fires in that area. It's quite common, so it's not always an accident. It could be an accident, but if you get a dry, dry March and April, you get a lot of fires on the hills. So, yeah, I didn't capture that one on um, on recording, but we will be out capturing other lovely landscapes, as I say. Uh, and in fact, tonight, as we're recording, two of our colleagues, Tanya and Maria, are down in Sussex Hoping to hear nightingales in the company of folk singer Sam Lee. Now it is a perfect day, and I have looked at the weather forecast. Where they're going, it, it the conditions are beyond perfect. It's still, it's warm. It the nightingales have arrived, so if they, so everything's in place. I don't. <laughs> expectations are high for Just us back in the pod, <laughs> yeah, expectations are high for us in the podcast studio. But I'm hoping in this season we get pure magic of Nightingale's live on on the podcast. Loads more exciting things to come. Please do tune in. Please send us suggestions of what you might like to to listen to. Um, We would love to come and visit something magical in your area, but you need to get in touch and also tell us what you think of the podcast. So you can obviously leave likes, feedback and reviews on whichever podcast provider you use. We love to get them and we love to talk about them on the show. I particularly like to get emails uh to my email address which is editor at countryfire.com and we can often publish podcast emails in the print magazine but we love to read them out too so do get in touch we're also very excited because the podcast has been shortlisted for the publisher's podcast award which is we find out very soon we're off to a posh award ceremony in the next week tomorrow tomorrow night Tomorrow night, Jack. I hope you've got your glad rags. Of course. Good. I know you've got some. You've got some special shoes, Hannah.
0: Very special shoes.
2: They're the winning shoes.
0: <laughs> of course they
2: are. Good. I should be throwing on something from the back of the cupboard, you know. So really looking forward to that. Fingers crossed. Also, we've learned today that we've been nominated for a PPA award for the podcast, which is um, another big publishing award. So hopefully we find out about that in June. So we'll let you know how we get on. So really, that's hugely exciting. And of course, we wouldn't be where we are without you all tuning in. So we're hugely grateful to your continued support and listens and likes and reviews and thank yous and all the stuff that encourages us and makes us want to get out and share these beautiful places and sounds with you. So join us next week where we are off looking for hen harriers on the Wessex Downland with our dear friend, Kevin Parr. And that's the most perfect 40 minutes you'll spend this spring until the next podcast. So for now, from all of us in this podcast studio, thank you so much for listening and goodbye.